guys welcome back to another esl podcast man i am so excited about this one here this man by the name of isaiah seymour he uh ended up liking one of my videos on my profile i can't i can't remember but then i went onto his profile and saw that he was from the bahamas and saw that he was doing amazing things and i said i gotta reach out to this man i haven't brought anyone onto the you know from the bahamas onto my esl podcast but nonetheless man what a journey he has had he went to an international school out there in cuba he had to learn spanish he was speaking spanish to me right before the podcast and then he went to canada now he's a quality control technician and now with with this amazing life assignment vision that he has in terms of helping people and giving them the opportunity to either stay there or to learn abroad and to learn different skill sets and a variety of other things, man, this was just a fantastic, I mean, a fantastic English language podcast. And of course, another brother from another mother, a color one. For the first time, I brought one onto my podcast. So I am so grateful for this. One, in th in terms of uh, having an international guest speaker, and I hope you guys enjoy this one too. Lots of golden nuggets were put throughout this podcast, so I hope you guys can take them. And again, you could take the seeds from it, plant it within your mind, and water them to see them harvest. Without further ado, here we go. People, here we go. Isaiah Seymour, right out of the Bahamas. <laughs> this guy speaks all kinds of Spanish. You know, it feels so good to have another color. See, another brother from another mother. I just said that earlier. You know what I'm saying? You guys have probably heard it before. But to hear another guy right out of the Caribbean speak Spanish and learning the different types of vocabulary and now him having gone to Canada and he studied out there. He graduated. Now he's a quality control specialist. Uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong out there in Prince Edward Island. So many things we're going to be diving into in this podcast. But damn, Isaiah, it's so good to have you on, brother. Thanks a lot, Arsenio. It's, it's you know, it's a pleasure to be here, you know, brothers from another mother. <laughs> and uh, it's, I'm a technician. I mean, I'm not specialist yet. Oh, I'm, damn. I'm not getting there. there. See, I knew I I'm talking mid-tier. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so give me about two years. We'll be good. Gotcha. Gotcha. And again, this guy at the age of 22 doing Forex trading, so many different things. And I came across, he came across my profile and I'm like, oh, Bahamas. Oh yeah. I gotta, you know, I gotta link up with, uh, you know, some of my folks out there. Cause the last time I had spoken to someone from the Bahamas, there were these two big dudes. I told Isaiah just before this podcast, they would go walking around this college, Central Arizona College, when I used to run track and field out there. And they, they never said anything, but they were pretty cool. They were pretty cool, but they were the big shot put javelin throwing brothers, you know? So Isaiah, man, we were talking about the native language out there in the Bahamas. You learning Spanish, you going to Canada, first and foremost, from the very basics. Like, how'd you learn Spanish out there in the Bahamas? Well, actually, you know, I, uh, uh, this, this church I used to go to, this pastor, he had some ties with a school in, in Cuba. I don't know how, but he was, I was going to go to the national college. He was like, Hey, how about you come to Cuba? And I'm like, what? Cuba? They say, yeah, you can get a scholarship, be a doctor. I'm like, seven years, 10 years. Nah. nah. <laughs> 
But uh, I decided to go down there to do uh, an engineering course because the course I wanted wasn't at the college that I was going to go to. So I was like, all right, cool. Went down there. And, you know, I, was, I used to take Spanish in high school. I took the national exam. I got a B in grade 11. They usually take it in grade 12. I think in, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of I'm cool in Spanish. I'm kind of smart. I know I can work my way around. Man, I land in the airport in Cuba, instant headache. I'm talking, <laughs> like yapping. I'm like, what the, what the, what is going on? I'm trying to pull up a dictionary looking. It was crazy, bro. But, <laughs> you know, uh, they got us enrolled in the college. And within about six months, yeah, I, I had the fluentness down. <clears throat> I, I, I watched on I Locked Up Abroad, some guy, when he broke out of a prison, he, he learned Spanish in six months. I was like, what? If he can do it in six months because he has to, I'm going to do it because I can. Ah, I love that. <laughs> he said he had to do it because he had to, and you're going to do it because he can. I love that saying. We're going to have to, like, quote that, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> minus the prisoner. But, uh, yeah. you know... <laughs> I mean, I think it was, I think they 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 tried to make him smuggle something. He was in like uh, um, you know, locked up a bro. I don't remember exactly, but you know. Mm-hmm. Oh man! So wait, okay. So real quick for everyone out there who's listening, because there there are officially now 174 countries that listen to this podcast. It's crazy. I had no uh-huh. idea. Yeah, man. I just I'm just so grateful for everyone out there who tunes in, especially, you know, my folks in Japan, Brazil, all across America, Vietnam, Taiwan. Guys, again, I'll put, you know, uh, again, at the very end of the podcast, if you guys want to follow Isaiah's, you know, and see what he's got going on and whatnot, which is amazing, I'll put his Instagram link in the bio and everything. But, um, yap it! I'll follow back. I'll follow back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he'll follow back because, you know, he's a brother from another mother. That's what we do, okay? So... <laughs> <laughs> um yapping means they were speaking like yapping i say it man i lost my slang but yapping is kind of like talking a bunch of things that you can't even make out is that what that yeah. means there you yeah. go okay okay so for anyone out there you know if they were like what does yapping mean yeah you got to open up the urban dictionary but it's just like puerto rico right i, I understand mexican spanish more than i understand Puerto Riqueño Spanish mm-hmm. because like Tito Trinidad or Miguel Coto, you know, they speak very quickly. My mom should be like, Mira, I'm like, mom, okay, camate, camate. That means calm down. So yeah. <laughs> in Cuba, how long were you in Cuba for again? I was uh I was only there for nine months. Mm-hmm. Uh the, the course I was going through was like six years, but what they do with all the international students is they make you do a prep course. So they teach you Spanish, basic sciences. It's basically like a, a pre-college type thing to make sure that when you hit your first year, you have no excuses for anything. Because the, the school is like a no-nonsense school. They're like top in the region. They don't take no for an answer for anything, you know? You feel one course and like, oh, you got to repeat the year, or maybe you can take it in the next semester. Ah, I They're see. Tough. But, uh, you know, funny thing is, even though I learned Spanish in Cuba, sometimes Cubans are still the hardest for me to understand speaking. Damn, why is that? I, I don't know, like, they have a, a heavy, a 
heavy, heavy accent. It's, I, I can't even explain it, you know? <laughs> I've seen other people go on to Cuba and be like, what, what are you saying? Other Spanish speaking people, you know? They born speaking Spanish, I just learn it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, that's amazing. Okay, wait, so, I mean, I didn't even know there was an international college in Cuba. How was your experience in Cuba overall? Like you being around other international school students, but when you tried conversing with the locals, how was that? What were some of the things that you had to overcome? You know, obviously the language barrier, <laughs> but um, you know, on top of that, what were some of the things that you found it difficult or rewarding? Well, one thing I noticed the locals, they're pretty, uh, they're pretty friendly, you know? Oh, nice. um, I hadn't had much problems like communing. And then even the international students that I met, like other fellows from the Caribbean and whatnot, they all had their own like uh, separate Cuban family, you know, like a family would pretty much adopt a student through, I don't know, maybe some friend or whatnot. So I guys you get to go around and realize that, geez, everybody here has got a family except me. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's, they're, they're really cool. and. Uh, Man, the international students, that was the, 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 the medical school down there. Jeez, I'm talking about people from all over the world. I just love the place because you get to see so much in one spot. It's basically like you're traveling the world on a campus. <clears throat> it was crazy. South Africa, uh, six, ten different countries from the Pacific, Tongans, you know. Uh, oh, is Russia. that right? Yep. Uh. All so you had like the Samoans, the Fijians, the you said again. Yep. Oh, Ooh, Fijians. <laughs> hey, the, Fiji, hey, the Fijians. Memories. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I hope you ain't get into no mess out there. You know? Uh, nah. <laughs> I wanted to, but anyway, that's <laughs> <laughs> that's another story for another day. Yeah. Oh Good my time. God. <laughs> why did why do you think everyone went to Cuba? Now, I'm so grateful that you experienced that. I've experienced that just going into one of the international schools here in Bangkok when a guy had invited me. And I'm like, oh, my God, wait. He said, okay, Arsenio, in this specific room, there are 56 nationalities. So you had people from Cote d'Ivoire hanging around with people from England, and you had the Bhutanese over here with folks from, I don't know, Taiwan, and then you had Ecuador. Oh my God, I, it was just a concoction of, of, of beauty, of unification. I know, right? It's, it's such a beautiful thing. It's like all that, that, that community, that diversity all in one spot, it's, it's crazy. I love it. Oh man. What did you learn from like, and you, okay, what age were you when you actually, when you went to this? I was actually, I was, I was more of a baby. I was, uh, I went over there <laughs> uh, 17 and I turned 18 while I was there. So I was, I was the young, I was the youngin' on the block. A lot of people there in their mid twenties, early twenties and whatnot. So I'm just this kid walking around, looking at people, asking questions, talking stuff, you know, learning a lot. I, I, I learned a lot, you know, cause uh, different cultures. Cause you, you, you grow up in your own country, you know, you get a certain mindset, but then when you see the other cultures, you see how they react. People from Djibouti, you know, Scotland, all these sorts of things, you just get a taste of, oh, this is where this is from. Oh, this is where that is from. This is how people do it. This is better than what I've been doing, you know? It's, 
And then even I still, one of my friends from that same class messaged me the other day. She's from Djibouti. Just checking on me. She's on the fifth year now. She's about to graduate soon. <clears throat> you know, it's, it's a lovely experience, honestly. I, That's that, was, that was my favorite part of the entire, the entire trip. You know, what I learned in school was great. Learning Spanish was great, but that, that experience. Right. Top tier. Man. And just you saying that, like, Someone from Djibouti, you know, just recently, you know, right before we chatted, uh, I finally linked up with someone from Swaziland, right? Which is now known as Eswatini. Um, And honestly, like, uh, and she has an Indian heritage, just like a lot of people in the small island of Mauritius. Dude, you know a lot of places. <laughs> uh, I know. I, I didn't know any of these places. And so this is why I'm like, when I started learning, the first time I met someone from Mauritius, right, uh, they showed me the flag. I'm like, I don't know that place. Where is it? You know? And I remember I would offend people because I'd be like, hey, are you Indian? Are you Indian? She's like, no, she's Mauritian. Don't say she's yeah. I'm like, you need to calm down, okay? You know, <laughs> I, try to, I try getting people to calm down like half the time. But... <laughs> This opened my mind up that, and to make me realize, and it made me realize that this world is so vast. So did that open up something in your mind to want to yeah, experience and definitely. discover more? Yeah? Yep, 100%. Because, you know, there's, um, there's a percentage of people that have like a closed mindset back home, right? It's not all of them, but there's enough to notice. And when you go out and you get that experience... It just opens your mind to so much more opportunities and possibilities. I remember one of my old high school friends, um, <clears throat> when I came back to the Bahamas, we were sitting at a, be- at a bench on the beach. We were talking about it. You know, I was telling him basically the same story I'm telling you. And he was like, wow, I could see how like all that excited you and whatnot. And I was like, yeah, man, that's the type of experience that you need to get. Because, yeah. you know, I wanted him to get that same type of like, awakening to different things that I did, you know? Because when, when you're stuck home, you can, you can pretty much only see your, uh, as far as around the corner, right? Right. That's, you know, it's very difficult to come out when you haven't seen better. When you, right. when you know better, you do better. And that's, what, <clears throat> and that's what I think, you know, with my, with this specific podcast, this is why probably a lot of Americans in very rural areas listen to me because they're like, damn, this is a teacher, a a trainer, a soon-to-be transformation coach living in Bangkok, Thailand. And so (laughs) it's not that they're living vicariously through me. It's the fact that they're like, this world is vast and I want to hear what I potentially want to go out and see for myself one day. And this is exactly what happened when I went to Australia. Um, uh, for the first time, I was never the same in 2009. When I went to Australia, I ignored my family. They were like, why you want to go to Australia? Why you want to go? I said, I'm going to Australia because I want to go to Australia. And so I finally went there. When I came back, I said, living in America, this is no longer exciting to me. Something mm-hmm. bigger is calling me on the outside of these borders. Next thing you know, I moved to Australia two years later, worked there for a year, came here to Thailand. I said, Asia's the next one. I moved here to Thailand 2013, and the journey began officially, you know. But this, me, this meant that I had to kind of 
say, oh, well, my family doesn't accept me going out and achieving these great things. Well, I'm just going to have to create my own backbone. Yeah. So yeah. that's one of the models that you, you follow, you know, you like, how can you maintain positivity during those dark times? What do you mean by that? Hmm. That's something, huh? Well, luckily for me, you know, I'm glad that like my family, my mother, those, they support my moving out, you know, of course she misses me, you know, yeah. and whatnot, but she's always like, yeah, pushing me to go. Cause she was right there with me when I was leaving to go to Cuba and whatnot. Um, but you know, like I'm, I'm a man of faith. So that always brings me back. My father was a reverend. Mm. And so like that growing up, I've always had a strong, uh, connection to hope. I, I, I guess you could say like that. And then like growing up and like looking at life, you see, like you see the care of people. So it always brings me back to a place of like, okay, this is bad right now but i've seen brighter days i've seen bad days before and i know brighter days are coming it's like when you hit rock bottom the only place you could go is up you know so it's 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 like it's just physics almost when you're in a spot you don't do anything about it nothing changes so if you do something about it something's going to change if you do something different then you get a different outcome uh, I've tried things many, many times, did the same thing over and over, fail, 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 fail. I'm like, oh, okay, I don't know what I'm doing. Let me go talk to somebody who knows what they're doing. So I would go go to mom, go to, I don't know, maybe a teacher or somebody and be like, hey, I'm lost as, you know, I'm lost as a chicken with no head. Show me yes. something. Like, All right, yeah. Like, you know, I can do a lot of things, but I, I've always been a person who's willing to get taught. So that always helps me come out of whatever slump I'm in. Oh, you know? I gotta be coachable. Mm. You gotta be, I, you know, it's, even sometimes I'm stubborn myself, but I'd be like, all right, you know what? You've done this already, you know? So I'm gonna listen to you. Wow, and that's it right there. That's one of the biggest life lessons. And I love that you were, not afraid and you were not embarrassed to ask for help see a lot no. of people they're scared to ask for that help because they're afraid of being ridiculed and laughed at and whatnot but you know you know even i too sometimes still i too you know like the the per there's only two people right now in the world whose words to me would make me feel uh negatively impact like being ridiculed that's my mother and my brother mm -hmm. um my mother, that's, she's always been my teacher and everything. So when I know what she agrees with, I agree with. So when I'm doing something that she wouldn't agree with, it's kind of like shameful on her. It's like disrespectful to all the work that she did. I don't like to make her feel that way. So it makes me feel bad. So I know if I go to her with something, be like, hey, I did something that you told me many times not to do and I need your help. She'd be like, boy, you know, Da, 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 da. And, you know, I'd feel that, but I'd listen. So maybe I may not go to her. I may go to my brother who has the same mindset, but he's a little less, you know, a little less uh, powerful with his uh, ridicule, you know? Mm. And do, do you take that as, <clears throat> you know, like, again, with your family and things that could impact you negatively, 
does that do you look at do you look at it more as constructive criticism or destructive? It's a hundred percent constructive. All okay, all good, the criticism good. that they give me because it's like awesome. You know, I mean, we know a lot of things, right? Like we know certain times we're not supposed to do something. We know when we make mistakes. Right. Now, what we don't like to hear is that, okay, we've made this mistake. But sometimes we need to hear that again to be like, yo, you, whatever you're doing is not working. You need to stop listening to yourself because obviously you're in the wrong. You need to listen to someone else for a moment who can correct you. Yes. And I, I always don't, I don't always like to get corrected, but you know, I, I take it just today. I was doing something at work. My boss caught me doing something. He's like, hey, don't do that. That's not safe. And I was like, all right, you're right. Yep. You Simple as that, it. you know? Yeah, yeah. there's no... feel that emotion of I'm in the wrong. I'm, I look bad in front of my peers. I look bad in front of my superiors. It's kind of like a, a shameful state, but you have to take that as a lesson, you know? It's about the perspective, how you look at it, and yeah be willing to admit that you're wrong. You yeah. know, if someone comes to me and says, hey, Arsenio, this is how I felt. And then I put, I immediately put myself in their shoes and how mm -hmm. I would feel. And I, I would say, you know what? You're right. That's my bad. I yeah. quickly apologize and I admit I'm wrong because it takes, it doesn't take courage to admit that you're wrong. But if you can stand there and correct yourself when you make an, your own mistake, and say, oh, I actually felt how you felt. I understand now. That's mm -hmm. like a completely different level of consciousness. You know what I mean? So Yeah, that, that relatability, it's, it's completely different. Another thing, too, that I try to focus on to help me combat that uh, I made a mistake feeling is that I try to analyze the situation and be like, all right, this is the problem. The quicker I can find a solution the better it'll be for everyone. So if I can, if I uh, hurt somebody by something I did, I say, okay, they don't like that. How about we not do that again? Next time something happens, you do this instead. Ask them what they want you to do. You know, then that shows a progression. Now, of course, you're still, you still did that bad thing. You still made someone feel bad or whatever. But now you have a step to... Uh, uh, make progress, you know? So in your mind, you can even say like, okay, yeah, I did something, but I know the next time I got the right thing to do now. So you can find confidence in that and that'll help you shed the shame, shed the guilt, you know? Wow. And, and you know, you being at the age 22 and developing this type of level of consciousness, like that, that type of course correction that that auto correction man i mean do you think that did that come from you know you possibly being in canada then but again i know that the journey to canada and now working out there in canada boy how difficult has it been for you being there as opposed to the you know the the things that you would probably have to overcome out there in cuba and even back home in the bahamas uh it has it has been part of the um the journey coming to Canada as well, because now like I live on my own, I'm not with my parents anymore. So you get to, your responsibilities are different, right? Mm -hmm. um, but also uh, my stepfather, he taught me a lot of things. He was uh, 
he used to be a cop. He used to live in Canada, actually. Wow. So he used to be a cop. So, you know, he had experience dealing with criminals and all sorts of things. So he brought a lot of principles that um, were necessary, you know. He, I'm there trying to play a game on the computer. He's like, you know, you got the whole world in front of you, and this is what you choose to do. Dude! <laughs> so I'm like, all right, cool. Go on YouTube. He finds a video, and then we're learning something. It's not every day, but, you know, more often than not, they try to keep me uh, learning versus just wasting my time. So just bit by bit, it became a part of my um, personality. Uh, I mean, I still procrastinate a lot of things now, but, you know, I understand that it's it's a necessity. Like, if you want to move ahead, it's, you, you have to do it. I don't I don't want to be learning stuff all day, but, I mean... <laughs> what are you gonna do, right? You gotta you gotta learn something to do something. You gotta get ahead. Right. And you know, uh now being here in Canada, difficulties I've had to face is that you don't have everything you need to do everything you want. So for example, you need credentials to get a job or you need contacts to get certain resources for things and it's like when you move to a new country you are a nobody yes you're nothing so you come here you're on your own luckily i came with my friends so we had each other's backs but you know who has us <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so you had so, to build your own backbone yeah yeah exactly so you know just it's uh it's it's a lot of dedication to um, trying to succeed. And then, you know, when you're running out of money uh, and your cover's getting kind of dry, that's a lot of drive, too. That can get you to do a lot of things that you wouldn't have done otherwise. <laughs> that's a pretty big incentive, but... Right. Uh, yeah, I've had to... Uh, like I used to work at McDonald's for almost, for almost a year. That's how I was paying my bills through my first year of college, you know? And I remember I couldn't, you know, friends want to go to, I can't because I only made 80 bucks this week because I didn't have any hours because it's the winter, you know? Oh. So that struggle of trying to get to a state of stability, like I've experienced that with the full responsibility on myself. Mm. And that, 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 that puts you in a position where you're like, yo, I got I to gotta do what I got to do. I can't be out here. Wasting time. I see. Wow. It, man, you know, it, it's just amazing. Just the fact that you were completely aware of the money, of the environment, of the tribe, of your support group, of your support cast. Um, it's just, man, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of like... Boy, you got to be grateful, more grateful than ever. Because again, I didn't necessarily have that support cast, uh, supporting cast growing up. You know, um, I always felt like I was the odd one out in my family because I always wanted more. I just mm -hmm. didn't want to, yeah, I wasn't about the misery love, loves company life. And so yeah. when I actually took that leap to Australia, oh, it was difficult because I was trying to, Okay, uh, do I fit in? Do I, I want to meet friends? I want to do this. I want to do that. 
but I never really felt like in place out there for the year that I was living in Australia. So did it, like, were you the one that created your own table or were you the one that went to other people's tables and you tried like developing conversation and whatnot? Nah, I definitely try to create my own table. But what I also try to do is to get other people to create their own tables as well. Whoa. You know, like I, like I'm, I'm, my, my role is I'm, I'm like a support character in a video game, you know? It's a mm -hmm. funny story, but uh, my mother, when my brother was just like two or three years old, she was like, you know what? He needs a friend. So she's like, we should have another kid. So I was actually planned to be birthed just to be like a friend and like a brother to someone else. And I've kind of lived that um, course out throughout my life. And I've accepted and appreciated it because, you know, when you're doing something and then you can make the other people around you do well as do good as well. Like it's, it's a wonderful feeling, you know? And I mean, I'm grateful as hell. Cause like, I, I, I tell, <laughs> I tell mom whenever I, I can, it's like, you know, you did a pretty good job. Cause uh, my father died when I was young, around eight years old. And she made sure that it's like, okay, I'm gonna make sure that these kids, get the type of training that they need no matter the circumstances. And I always, I always tell her, I give thanks to her, I give thanks to God, you know, all my people around me. Right. I'm, I'm grateful for it all. And that's why I, I try to give as well to the people around me, try to get them to do good for themselves because I know what it did for me. And I know what it can do for someone else, you know? Because not everybody's as lucky as I was. Right. Right. And a lot of people would say, you know, is that luck or is that just, you know, a choice? It's all, it all boils down to choice. You know, back in 12th grade, I remember that was the last time I had bad grades and there was mm -hmm. a teacher, my English teacher said, oh, it looks like you're doing like during a grade day report. So basically we get like mid course, like mid semester grades. And, you know, I had D, D, F and she's like, well, it looks like you're doing bad in all your classes. And right then and there, was the rite of passage. That's when I said, Arsenio, this is not you. And I literally turned them D's into B's and A's within like a month and a half. And I began to be Arsenio again. But a lot of people, they would continue going down that road. And this could be yeah, from yeah, environment. That environment that, right. That mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. So now it, it is just impactful that you are, I'm telling you, man, like, you are on the same level I'm at right now. Well, you know, like in terms of the consciousness, and you're only 22. So now you're jumping into the likes of Forex trading and, you know, even going back and you having only this amount of money and, you know, your friends are like, hey, come out. You're like, oh, no, it's the winner. I've only made this much. But now you're discovering so many things. Now you're a quality control. Oh, my God. Ah, technician, there we go. Thank you very much. And, and so, you know, what is it for, for, and it's great because you're just at the, at the, the beginning stages of your 20s yeah. and you've discovered so many things, being able to be around so many different nationalities in Cuba and now having gone to Canada and now you're working in Canada. What is it that you want to continue discovering like right now? Well, um, well, right now I want like I want to become a specialist in my trade, but I have this 
I have this grand plan that I've, I've estimated it may take me 40 years probably. Uh, but I want to, like, I'm a nationalist. I love my country to death. Mm. I, nothing better in the world to it than me. But I want, it's not a place that breeds opportunity, mm. you know, in a lot of areas. And personally, I want to change that. So I'm like, okay, home isn't the place to go. Like, you know, people say they go to America as a land of opportunity. Like, yeah. no one would say, I'm going to go to the Bahamas and land opportunity. You go there for a vacation or whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, because, like, when I was coming over here, a lot of people, like, when they found out what I was going to be, when my trade was there, like, oh, you're not coming back home. You're not coming back home. You're not coming back home. I'm like, I am. So what I decided to do is, like, okay, I need to go to somewhere that um, knows about success. And Canada's kicking it right now, you know? Right. So I said, I'm going to come here, I'm going to learn a lot, and I'm going to be like, okay, I know what I need to know, or I get the contacts who knows the things that I need for this plan, I'm going to go back home and I'm going to start something. And I'm going to start making little impacts here and there, and within, you know, 20, 30 years, I can help change that environment that I grew up in so that when some other little kid grows up and he wants to be a quality control technician, he doesn't have to go uh, halfway across the planet. Not that he shouldn't, but it's just that I only, I left because I didn't have the option to stay either. You know, mm -hmm. like it was, I couldn't succeed. Like there isn't even a job for me back home pretty much. Damn. There are no factories. So that's like my big thing. I, I want to build an environment where people back home can decide if they want to to succeed at home or go elsewhere. Right now, it's not an option, and that that frustrates me. See that long-lasting impact. That's a life assignment, people. This is yeah. why, you know. Again, people go after you know the cars, the jewelry, based on materialism, consumerism, stuff like that, but. My life assignment and with the Arsenio Buck Foundation has always been to give back and to instill a seed within the minds of humanity, not to help because I don't want people in rural villages scattered across Vietnam or Tanzania or other places to believe that I'm there to help them. You know what I mean? Like a lot of the pictures and the stories that you would hear of different Westerners going to African countries saying, I'm here to help. No, I want to be able to give them something, a new way of thinking. I want to create thinkers, whether that's it from a technological standpoint or from whatever, you know, because they, you know, they don't understand like these folks in Djibouti, if they were to create a blog and a podcast, they would be way up there. They would be better than most podcasters out there in the world. Why? Because they are representing the idea of possibility. Yep. And uh, again, a lot of people are like, oh, Djibouti, I've never heard of that. Okay, try, you know, uh, going around and getting testimonials of people who are doing this and how can you create more jobs and not only jobs, but create thinkers. How can you help support people uh, in your community? And that's exactly, and like you said, the estimation time of 40 years it's lifelong, but that's called a life assignment. And that's a yeah. beautiful thing, man. You know, and I just try to focus on like step one, like 
Uh, right now, I'm trying to be a technician and trying to Isaiah, are you there? Isaiah, hello? Oh, no, my internet connection. Do these things. Oh, okay, I need, there you go. Okay, sorry. I need, uh, I need funds. I need knowledge. So I'm going to be working and learning at the same time. Ah. That's, that's the small goal. That's what I'm focused on on my day-to-day. -day. I'm trying to make sure that what I did to get where I am right now, mm -hmm. that I don't change that. Uh, because I'm here now, because like I have a good job, now. I'm making money now. If I want to, I can go get a bigger place. I can do these things. But I've been watching other people who have money, and I've been listening to them, and they're preaching this whole, you know, put yourself in a position of security. I'm like, if something was to happen, my work today, I'm out of a job. I don't got nothing. The money is good, but then. Where do I go from there, you know? So I'm trying to make sure that, hey, don't get comfortable in your in your nice tech suit, you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely. You get comfortable and then you're stuck in one spot and you forget about you forget about the 40-year plan. You forget about the big things you've got to do. Uh, and that's why, again, guys, keeping that day-to-day -day very, very important. Uh, you know, keeping that income flow, especially in the state of the world right now. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, developing that passion, the why. I want to call it the why yeah. factor. The why. The why. the why behind why you're doing everything. You have developed your why already. And now it's all about the vision, which you're already developing. And then it's execution. You know? And, and one, one thing that's important to that, too, is you need to get yourself accountability partners you know? oh so like, there we go how you have your uh foundation right you know you probably have a couple of people that you work in business with and they have vision similar to yours and you guys got to make sure that each of you are doing your part when they see you slacking off to be like hey arsenio you didn't do this today you know what's going on or you see them like yo you didn't do this We're, we got work to do because i mean when you're on your own you can talk yourself out of doing anything excuses you can pop in your head out of nowhere but when you have someone else telling you that yo you said you were gonna do this yeah I, I don't see it happening what are you doing uh -huh. and you're like oh you got this pressure on you and then you, you're gonna you know it uh -huh. helps you to push forward it's like it's like working out with a coach yep and that and that's why it's very important okay i'm not saying don't have the cheerleaders but you have to have people who will take you to that next level. You know, there was someone, a transformation coach, who I'm actually putting together the, uh, quote unquote, the global podcast. Uh, by the time this podcast comes out, that would have already, uh, that will have already a debut. But she made me realize that I need to start having honest conversations. You uh, know, and that put me in a very peculiar, you know, like, oh, man, well, you know, I'm kind of scared to do that. Okay, what's the limiting belief? What's the why behind that? Because my brother, okay, why? Every time I try having an honest conversation with him, he would go, oh, man, no, no. He would just go crazy, like irate, angry, as, you know. So I've kind of been scared since a child to have those types of uh honest conversations. But she put me in a position and said, okay, we're going to have this. And I'm like, okay. 
Now, let me start building this up. See, that's having someone that will take you to that next level. Exactly. For me, that used to be my old boss. You know, mm. last summer I was working a part-time job and I was, I was telling him, I was like, man, I'm not really sure where I see myself in this uh, industry, you know, within like the next five, 10 years. I don't see myself working for this company for that long. And he was telling me, he's like, yo, the thing you got to focus on is that, uh, you know, you're here to work, but you're also here to learn. And he says, if you see that you're not learning in a situation anymore, then it's okay. You can move. You know, it's not like you look bad upon the goal. This person is uh, shifty. They're not consistent with anything. What you're consistent to is progress, you know? And when you're not progressing, then you move on. And he taught me that. And I was like, you know what? That's the key I needed. And now I have a new coach. And I'll have a new coach later down the road. I see. Wait, you said you had a new coach. You have a new coach now, right? Yeah. See, I'm telling you, man, that I, I just love I wish. Well, no, I'm not going to say I wish. But at the age of 22, if I was like, you know what? I need that person around me. And I, I think I guess you could say that there were purposeful relationships that helped yeah. me out and whatnot. But man, to, to be that young. And again, a lot of people, this is a testimony for everyone out there to have that person to be in your ear and to have that accountability partner and to, you know, give you that advice. Boy, that's all the difference in the world. And a lot of people would think, oh, but it's my family. But sometimes, you know, you have sometimes. to. Right, right. Because I mean, again, like, okay, let me give you an example very quick, you know, real quickly before I top this off. Like my mom, it, if I said, mom, I've been going through a lot of problems out here in Thailand. They do not hire people of my, of my color. Okay, what kind of advice could my mom give me for that? Has my mom been through a similar situation? Perhaps, but she's not at that next level. Like, oh, I see. Okay, Arsenio. So you're, you probably have these limiting beliefs. And now that has created your reality to the point that it's difficult for you to obtain jobs based on what the limiting beliefs you have that could be going back to, you know, since you were a child. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so that's why I was like, you know what? I need to be coached. And so I went through a transformation program and now all those limiting beliefs that stem back to when I was in kindergarten, I started getting those images. They've all been revamped. And now I have a completely different level of like, you know, way of thinking. So I love the fact that you have that coach and a lot of people you need to be coachable. And that's one of the biggest key takeaways from this podcast. Yeah. 100%. Be coachable, you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So in saying that, Isaiah, man, is there anything you want to share, uh, you know, uh, a source of inspiration with the people out there, whether it's learning a language, whether it's getting out of their comfort zone, whether it's the coachable aspect of it, to top this podcast off, what do you got? I got, I got one thing to say. Uh, the truth hurts but you can either embrace it or change it. I, I figured that out when I was like 17 in high school, but you know, truth of the fact, truth of the situation is maybe I'm, maybe I'm not good at doing something. That's truthful. It hurts. I, I hate being not good at this thing. 
okay, I can either embrace it, say I'm not good, leave it at that, or I can change it. Let me find someone who's good, let them train me, you know? Uh, truth is, you're good at speaking, you know? That's something, maybe you just want to embrace it. You're good at speaking and you're going to speak and do things with it, you know? The truth, it's there. You can either embrace it or change it. That's what I got to say. Oh, man, I love that. That reminds me, of course, Eric Thomas. I don't know if you know. Um, oh, that's my that's, uncle, man. That's, uh, that's, I'm telling you, yeah, baby. <laughs> that's, 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 like my, that's like my godfather, man. That's, yeah. <laughs> Eric Thomas doesn't know, but Eric, I got uh, Eric Thomas in my life every morning, and that's the beauty of technology. But the, the impact and the power he has behind the words and the things he says is mm -hmm. I mean, I love my Les Brown. I love everyone out there who has come into my life, even some of the goats from the past, like Napoleon Hill and Dale Carnegie. But Eric Thomas, boy, he has said things like that itch in the morning, that thing that gets you up, you go after it every single day and live in it. I woke up this morning on fire. Some people are waking up dragging themselves out of bed. I'm waking up on fire because I know I have the opportunity to inspire. Right. So, oh even I, man. Even when I'm dragging, I put on I put on something, you know, one of his tracks, and I'm like, all right, this my favorite one right now is Charged because it, you know, it. it oh just my God! Get out of here! That is insane, guys. For everyone out there, you're you're insane. That is my favorite too. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, man, the flow state and the vibrational frequency we're on is the same. People, mm -hmm. if you guys haven't heard it, charge. What, uh, very, very briefly, uh, Isaiah, what is it about charge that really sticks with you? The thing that sticks with me is how he talks about energy, you know, because me being a, a, a technician, like I learned about that stuff in school and now I get to see it real in life and within myself. And, you know, sometimes I know I'm not putting out enough energy in certain situations. And he's like, yo, you know what you can do. You know what you got to do. Do it. And I'm like, you're right. I was feeling <laughs> a little energy this morning. I, I, was, I wasn't feeling it. But, you know, that's I said that as my alarm. And, <laughs> and <laughs> it comes on. Yeah. <laughs> And that's it. So for anyone who doesn't even know that, okay, Eric Thomas, Charge, just write that in on YouTube. Um, Apple, Spotify, I'm sure it's just about on everything out there. Yeah, um, it's on pretty much any platform you can find it. Yeah, and the message, especially halfway through, I think it's like an eight-minute, uh, eight-and-a-half-minute mm -hmm. message. You know, it's, on, it's on Instagram, too. Oh, it's on Instagram, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A, a short video on Instagram, a shorter version. Ah, right, right. So for any of you, boy, a lot of you must listen to that message. I don't care what country you're in. Now, I know I normally average in the first 24 hours about 30 different countries. I know that we come from different creeds, colors, but we're all human beings. You guys, that's the most powerful message I've ever heard in my life. And it's funny that, of course, Isaiah Simo of the Bahamas, that's his favorite message too. So <laughs> in saying that, Isaiah, man, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for coming on to this ESL podcast to speak about good, not only, you. you know, the, you, you know, your, the, 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 the extracurriculars with the Fijians out there in good old Cuba <laughs> and then living out there in Canada. But man, thank you so much.